Circle Podcast on Hacker Public Radio. In this episode, you cubed review. Hello, world. And welcome. It's Thursday the 28th of April, and I'm feeling somewhat bereft. Because my regular co-hosts are off doing other exciting things. Ed is still unpacking because he's been to Rome, where, as far as I can make out, he's been complaining about the rain and playing lots of games on his phone. I, I, I know he went off to see various sites in Rome at various times. He just didn't bother to tell us all about them, so we'll give him a grilling and see what cultural delights he took in while he was in Rome. And Mr. Wilkins is off handing in his dissertation and doubtless doing some army things. So this episode, a returning guest has been volunteered to be a co-host... It is Mr. Les Pounder. Good evening, Les. Good evening. Well, thank you for that lovely intro. Uh, <laughs> it was well volunteered. <laughs> I think drafted was more than volunteered. I, I, I did do think that you, you volunteered. I'm not sure you knew what you were volunteering for, but I took it to be a, a volunteering, so, so here you are. Yeah. Last time you were on, we were talking to yourself and John Spriggs, a.k.a. John the Nice Guy, about the U-Cubed event, which was going on at Mad Lab in Manchester. I'm, I'm inclined to, to start with that. How did it go? It went really well, thank you. It was a really busy day. We had, I'd say, about 30-plus people turn up on the day um, to enjoy lots of different talks and workshops. I mean, highlights of the day were Dan Lynch's talk on uh, Unity. Now, when I say Unity, I don't mean <laughs> that uh, elephant in the room that we have at the moment, which has just come out today. I mean Unity between the communities that we have in Linux. It was a great talk. I'm going to put a video up as soon as I've edited it together on the website, which is ucubed.info, so you can find out more about that. Uh, it's a long video. It's 50 minutes long, but it's well worth a watch. There's also another great talk by uh, Anna, who's from Manchester Free Software, and it's all about the philosophies of free software, but it's done in an entertaining manner. It doesn't talk down to you and it isn't having like uh, RMS in the room telling you that this is this and you must follow this way. It is an entertaining talk about what <laughs> Linux is, what free software is and what you can do with everything. And I know she's had requests from a lot of people to do that talk over and over again at different venues. So did you, did you fill the venue? We didn't fill the venue, but we had enough people there to make sure that we gave a good day everyone. I mean, if we'd have filled the venue, it would have been fantastic, but it would have been really tight uh, in the first session because the main session, the main room was quite small. Mad Lab is not a big venue, but it is a great venue. I mean, it's the best venue in the Northwest for doing something like this. You've got all the um, facilities that you need. You've got the Wi-Fi, you've got power, you've got refreshments, you've got space for projectors and whatever you need. It's all there and they give it to you for free. What we did on the day was, rather than take from them, we gave something back. Mm -hmm. So all the organisers um, chipped in and we offered don refreshments on a day for a donation. We ran a raffle, which had loads of different prizes. Uh, the top prize was 
a full uh, Dell PC, which we got kindly donated by one of Blackpool Love members, uh, Tony mm-hmm. Hughes. We had all sorts of prizes as well. We had um, an, an iPhone was offered. That was done by Heed. Um, it was uh, from the pound shop, and it was a child's <laughs> one, but it was an iPhone nonetheless. <laughs> the, the, what happened on the day was it was just all different things all coming together. It was arranged around the um, Ubuntu beta release or beta testing and global jams, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just restricted to those activities. So yes, we did have people who were doing bug testing. Yes, we have people learning how to package. But we also have people giving talks on editing video using um, OpenShot and uh, using Vi. We had a guy called uh, I think it's Dave Gilbert, who is a seasoned pro in Vi. <laughs> he was telling people who knew how to use Vi what they could do with it further so it was really good to see him do his talk and the place was packed for his talk i never known so many people to <laughs> want to actually use by and then i got asked at the end so what do you use to edit text and i was like um g edit and nano <laughs> i had to get out of there pretty quick but but hey, the, 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 the purists can can have them i haven't got that much of my life left to learn vi and it's just the way it goes i'm sure it's fantastic but i'm sticking to what i know in other things we had there was blackpool log we had an idea to run a, a debian demo area which was we all brought some of our computers to the event had different versions of debian on them and we let people try them now we initially gave blackpool log just a small piece of the room to do this because we didn't have much space to give. What we should have done is given them the entire floor. Because <laughs> they were bombed out all day. People coming over asking them questions on how to do this, that and the other with Linux. Mm. And not just Ubuntu. They were asking about how they, how they can do um, things with Crunchbang Linux. How they can do Debian itself. Mm. So the boys were busy that day. So I think memo for, for next time is we give Blackpool Log more space to do what we can. <laughs> The Full Circle Podcast is the companion to Full Circle Magazine, the independent magazine for the Ubuntu community. Find us at www.fullcirclemagazine.org forward slash podcast. And just as a side note, when we were speaking to you before the event, John's wife was uh, imminently about to give birth, which she now has, so we send them congratulations. I I didn't get the details on the outcome. Uh, There's a little boy called Daniel. Hey! Well done to John and his good lady. And John assures me today that Daniel uh, eats a lot, but doesn't sleep a lot. Okay, well, get used to it, John, because you've got another couple of years of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a good test, isn't it? We'll see if he's still quite such a nice guy when he's sleep-deprived after the first six months. <laughs> John, the not-so-nice guy. <laughs> John Lee, John Lee, the slightly fractious and tetchy guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, we shouldn't, shouldn't take Mickey. Circle News. It's it's been one of those weeks where lots of cloud-based solutions have kind of fallen off their cloud a little bit because yeah. we had uh, a few days ago Amazon's cloud EC3 
service fell off for a few hours, which everybody's blaming on their North Carolina data center falling over. Um, their business continuity plan evidently failed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, There's no other way to say it. <laughs> they were saying that the business continuity plan would be that the user would have their um, data center hosted in two different locations at the very least in different regions, mm. and that only one region went down at that time, the, the loss of those services at, at that date. Mm. So if users had had an instance in region one and then region two when region one went down two would still be going mm. but, but i gather it took some time for that failover process to kick in it did yeah i'm not sure exactly how long but it was a considerable amount of time it, it was several hours yeah i mean we, we don't have to go into the various rumors and conspiracies and theories of of what took it down and, and why it took them so long to bring it back up but there's an awful lot of comment now about why the cloud as an idea isn't quite the all singing, all, song, all dancing solution that everybody keeps selling it as. Cloud cloud computing is all very well as long as your cloud doesn't break up and into a little fine fog of scotch mist. It doesn't bode well for cloud computing when Amazon falls over and they're the biggest name in cloud computing. Absolutely. I kept, while we're on that stream, a couple of Sony stories that we picked up. Sony were suing Geohots about the PS3 hacking um, episode, and they've decided to drop the story. And I think the the net conclusion that everybody's come to is that um, suing suing your activists and your customers may be legal, but it's not really fair, and it makes you look like a bit of a, an authoritarian uh, jackass, to say the least. And I'm surprised that it took Sony all of, what, three months to realise that. Didn't do their PR any good whatsoever. Sony hasn't had good PR for the last week or so, has it, though? Not really, no, because the the next cloud-related classic is that Sony's PlayStation Network has been down for, what is it, seven days and still <laughs> counting? Yeah. It's looking like it's going to come back on uh, middle of next week, which is going to be uh, brilliant for everyone who wants to go online and start playing the games. But the loss of data is massive. Well, we've got we've got two strands to this. Number one is the fact that PlayStation Network went down at all, and not only went down but stayed down. But secondly, because the attack that took it down has evidently been so um, catastrophic that they've had a massive data breach. And something like 77 million members' details could have been stolen. Could have been, being the operative word, because nobody at this stage is entirely sure. Or if they are, they're not saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the statements, it's been, there's been a brilliant round of statements since yesterday and this morning. The anonymous group, who were mounting um, concerted denial-of-service attacks against Sony because of the whole Geohot's lawsuit... Anonymous have stepped up and said, wasn't us, Gov, we didn't do it. And Sony aren't saying who they think did it, but they are saying, it's okay, they didn't get your credit card details. And then, just as an aside, they probably got everything else up to and including your inside leg measurement. Yeah. So this doesn't exactly say an awful lot for um, cloud services for one and Sony's data security policy for another. No, I mean, I'm looking at BBC News now, and um, they said that the credit card details were encrypted, but why wasn't other bits and pieces encrypted? If that's personal data, surely the people who are looking after it, i.e. Sony, 
should take every measure to ensure that the customer's data is secure. Yeah, I, it's it, the, the news stories this morning were full of rumours that the class action lawsuits were being prepared even as we speak and that Sony can expect a significant bill from this one as yeah. well as a significant loss of credibility. It's going to hurt their online activities, it really is. I mean, Microsoft has Xbox Live, which obviously it's, it's Microsoft's own thing. It isn't the pinnacle, it's not the best in the world, but it's had limited issues over its lifetime. There has been bits and pieces, usually at Christmas time, when the network goes down just to the sheer volume of users using it at any one time. Mm-hmm. But from what I can recollect, they haven't had a loss of data as of yet. I could be wrong, and if anyone's proved me right, please do. Or uh, not one that we know about, anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> Sony's just had this massive PR um, explosion. This is really going to hurt their network, so they're going to have to start shifting a lot of games really cheap to get people back on. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 really the, the whole breach of trust thing that I think is going to hurt them more than anything else. But the statement that they released, what, a couple of days ago, saying um, we're, we're not rushing to put the thing back up, There's we're, we're going to, um, I, forgot, I haven't got the quote in front of me, um, we're going to um, solidly rebuild the network from the ground up. It really says they had a, a, a massive catastrophic, failure in security somewhere. I mean, they've got an external security company come in to check what's happened and do an audit and see what can be done to correct it. Really, Sony should have got this right from day one. This is people's data. And what, what were what were their previous security consultants doing? Because I can't imagine a company the size of Sony doesn't have external audits by... Um, uh, black hat investigators uh, going in and doing periodic reviews of security all of the big business customers that i've had we've we've either had consultants on a retainer to do just that or we've instigated periodic reviews by third parties to come in and do some penetration tests and um, policy and procedure tests yeah, uh, where where sony have gone wrong on this it just doesn't bear thinking about Okay, a couple of other stories. Not that I find this sort of thing particularly fascinating, but it has been the biggest news on the block for a while. Apple suing Samsung for patent infringement. And this is... I, I keep covering these. We, we do these on the side pods every, every few months and I, I occasionally blog something about the latest round of court cases. Apple going after Samsung Mobile Division rather than Samsung Corporation in total because they have... They they claim that Samsung have they've knowingly, willingly, and deliberately copied the iPhone 4, right down to the icons, barring a little bit of colour, and uh, they're they're just going after them all guns blazing. It makes you wonder if Apple's legal department aren't doing this just for something to do, just because there's a building full of them over in Cupertino. And they don't get to play with the other kids. I don't know what it is. They're probably looking for a bit of publicity now. They've released the the white iPhone 4, which you know everyone's going mad for, just because it's a white phone. I mean, I, I don't see why Apple has to chase Samsung for patent infringements. Yes, they've both got touchscreen phones. Yes, they've both got icons on the screen to launch an application. Yes, they've both got an app market or an app store of some, some manner. I, yeah, I've, there are similarities. I've, I've a feeling that some of this comes down to the fact that U.S. patent law, being the complete 
dog's breakfast that it is these days and being completely broken, the people, other, other manufacturers are probably looking at Samsung's phone going, well, that looks exactly like an iPhone. If they can get away with it, so can we. And Apple's only um, recourse is to defend the patents or lose them, which is how the patent system works. So um, they, they may not actually be wanting to go after Samsung, yeah. It's just that if they don't defend against Samsung, they will have no court precedent to defend it against anybody else who decides to do an iPhone clone. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what, what this is doing to their business relationship because apparently Apple orders something like $6 billion worth of components from Samsung Semiconductor, yeah. which is part of the same parent company, but um, uh, Samsung Mobile is a different division and they're only going after that division, so who knows? Yeah, but it always happens. You'll get Apple suing for patent infringements on Samsung. Samsung will do the same with Apple for something else. Which they have, in fact, done. (laughs) (laughs) Samsung strikes back, and they've, this week, launched a countersuit. It's all part of that whole nuclear arms race, and patent law is is the one one route to mutual self-destruction. Mm-hmm. Who knows where this one's going to finish up? It does make you make you wish that. Well, it's 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 wishful wishful thinking. Maybe somebody in the U.S. Congress would stop fighting fighting each other for long enough to work out that the patent system's broken and that they need to change it. Further in the article I'm reading now. It- you can see Apple's currently embroiled in disputes with Finland's Nokia, Taiwan's HTC, and the US handset maker Motorola, among others. Everybody. You, somebody, somebody is trying to draw up a chart as a graphic of all of the current lawsuits that are going on. Because you've got Apple uh, is also suing Microsoft, who is suing them. Everybody's having a go at HTC. Uh, Microsoft's having a go at everybody that's producing Android handsets. The, the, the web of legal cases that are going on in the US and other courts is absolutely mind-blowing when you try and see it represented as a, as a graphic. It, it, it's difficult to spot who isn't suing somebody else. Um, and interestingly, with Samsung, they're actually going after Apple in some of the European and Asian courts to establish some court precedent before they then take it back to the US and press their countersuit over there mm-hmm. um, because they're hoping that if they can go back to the US armed with some precedent, they might bring the thing to a bit, bit of a swift conclusion. But I can see this going on for the rest of the year. <laughs> it's insanity. It's the point where everybody else says, guys, can you please just innovate rather than legislate because you're not helping anybody. That's it. Well, how much innovation have they all got at the moment? With, with markets around the world as they are, I mean, there's not much money out there. Well, you say that, but um, Apple just turned in another record-breaking set of results for the last quarter. So they are evidently making money. Apple will make money because they'll just repackage something. <laughs> I mean, iPads, iPad 2. We'll have iPhone 5 by the end of the year. Yep. So all the iPhone 4 people will be really upset and be trading those in. <laughs> Whereas all the Android people will be happy as Larry because they've got cracking phones already. Mm. I'm one of them. So, yeah, I've I've got to update the wildfire to Cyanogen Mod Seven at some point over the weekend. Get some get some gingerbread on there. Moving swiftly on, one thing that did cheer me up slightly: internet filtering, possibly to be outlawed in Europe. The European Parliament 
is getting its act together and trying to preserve some net neutrality, which is in marked contrast to the US Congress, which seems to be so cosy with the telecoms carriers that it's prepared to hand over any net neutrality it, it, it might have so that mobile carriers can carry on making some money. Um, European parliaments starting to legislate and in individual national parliaments as well to try and block filtering and throttling of traffic. And I saw another story this morning where the Dutch parliament are actually starting to put this into legislation. Mm. So I thought that was that was worth hailing the, the European parliament, which I loathe with a passion, for actually doing something right. We'll see if they can pull it off. Well, see, we need net neutrality. I mean, if, if we have a, a tiered net, it's just going to degrade the experience for everyone it's the last possible thing we want there are very few there are very very few places in life where everybody has any kind of equality and the web is one of those and i'd i know it's under threat but i'd prefer to see it stay as neutral as it possibly can Next story, there's uh, a new KDE project which is aiming at tablets and mixed user interfaces. And I haven't seen an awful lot of detail on this one, but there is a new open source project launched by the KDE developers aimed at bringing a consistent user interface across a variety of touchscreen interfaces. And I'm just thinking that maybe KDE could be one of those tablet interfaces that actually works. Yeah, I mean, KDE is... It's big and it's brash with the widgets and um, the layout of the, the desktop. It's really good for a, a touch-based interface. It's a lot better than what we're seeing at the moment with um, the Unity interface, which is a little bit mishmashed at the moment. It's, I don't think it's ready yet to actually be mainstream, whereas KDE, it, it came out in 4.0 and, and it was dire, but it has been slowly getting better with each um, dot release. 4.5 and 4.6 are fantastic, and I'm not a KDE fan, but I do appreciate that they are, they've, they've, they've come on leaps and bounds and there is something quite elegant. Usability, I, I think they've got a little bit of uh, a way to go still, but it's yeah. it's very very glossy, very slick, very attractive, and I can see people being drawn to KDE on different devices. Yeah, well, uh, on, a, on a tablet, it'd be fantastic because it, it's big and it's brash. You, you can press hmm. a button, Firefox will load. You can press this, and Skype will load. It's what the user wants a tablet for. They don't want minuscule buttons and loads of switches and weird and wonderful little buttons to press. They want big brash in your face. I want to do this right now. Yep, so more power to the KDE people. And we, we kind of touched on it just then. I think the, the big story of the day for us is, ta-da, Ubuntu 11.04, the Natty Narwhal, and we'll try and ignore the code name. 11.04 is released today, That's the right. official release, complete with its Unity user interface, which various people either love or hate, but it's like Marmites. There is no possibility of indifference. You either love it or hate it. I've noticed that a lot of people in the last few days have been putting their defenses up already and saying, yes, we know it's still a work in progress. Uh <laughs> it, it is still a work in progress. I mean, it's, it's not perfect yet. I've been using it for a week on my Samsung netbook, and the experience is good, but it's, it's not earth-shattering. I still prefer the standard GNOME interface, but it does do the job. Yeah, I've, I've got to say I'm, I'm still with you on that one. I 
I, I posted a comparative review on Unity and GNOME 3, the GNOME shell, last weekend. And I'm not the only one to say this, but I don't think either of them are the finished article yet. No. Uh, there, GNOME 3 is still rough. It still has um, little things that needs to be sorted out. I mean, uh, on the podcast with uh, Fab, uh, Linux Outlaws 202, we're talking about how you shut down the computer. You have to press the Alt key and then go up to the shutdown button to actually turn the computer off. That has been sorted as a package you can download yep. that will actually rectify that. But it's just little things like that that should have been really thought of at the start, the basics, and then build upon the basics to, to make it better. It's just It just doesn't seem right yet. I'm all for trying out a new kinds of interface. Um, you, unfortunately, the, the, they both seem to be so desperate to get rid of conventional drop-down menus and hierarchical menus that we've thrown out the baby with the bathwater. You, you open up Unity, and in application spaces, you'll get various lines of icons open up, and then if there's more than you can display on the screen, it will say, see n number more. And even if that number is just one, you have to click on that link to see what the other um, extra icons are. <laughs> there's no concept there of scaling things to fit the available space. Um, no, it, it seems a little bit. It seems a little bit f- uh, for all, for all their claims of being um, radical and um, thinking outside the box. And I, I, maybe this is a coding issue, but you get to a certain point and it's very fixed and very dogmatic in in its layout and its thinking and its usability. I, I think it's still got a long way to go. Yeah, I think if we give another two months, let the people who are behind the scenes doing all the coding and all the bug testing see what the reports are from the field, work on the bugs, and then produce updates that will rectify some of the issues that have currently been experienced by the users, mm-hmm. and then give it a proper, honest review then. Because mm-hmm. right now it, it's it's ready, but it's still not fit for purpose just it's, yet. It's bleeding edge. I got hold of... Um, I, I downloaded the Beta 2 that was updated on... Um, I think it was Saturday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. Put it on a USB stick... Um, it's still not working on some older Intel graphics. It doesn't. Unity doesn't want to know my my big Dell 6400 laptop at all. It just refuses uh, to run natively. Put it on a Dell netbook. That's absolutely fine because it's got a relatively um, new what's that 18 18 month old um, Intel graphics chip on it. Unity runs fine out the box. No extra drivers required. It's fine. You've got full 3D. Works as intended. But that's that's one machine out of the four that I've got here at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm just waiting to see how many people with older hardware um, are going to be lighting up the forums and the wikis saying it doesn't work. Yeah, I, I suppose that's where the other derivatives of Ubuntu will come into their own, such as uh, Ubuntu, Lubuntu, and Kubuntu as well. Yeah. Because they're not using this interface, they could see a, a, a surge in uh, mm. more more users coming over to them. I think you've missed the most obvious one, which is Mint. Yeah, I did miss that one. Um, Mint. That's, I, that's, it's, it's the gateway distribution, isn't it, really? Yeah, People yeah. are coming from Windows. Yeah. And I think the, the Clem's not made any indication that he's in any rush to jump to Unity and... Um, some of the things that I've seen coming out of the Mint camp um, would indicate that they're going to stick with classic GNOME because they've got 
their min- menu that they put on top, which is very Windows-like, and the kind of thing that people will be used to. So we'll have to see what what the downloads are like for 11.04 in the in the short term, and whether or not there's a a spike in the derivatives um, downloads as people decide that Unity isn't for them, and either drop back onto classic GNOME 2 with the classic GNOME menus and panels, or they decide that they've had enough of uh, Canonical's dictating how the interface should work, and they jump ship and go to one of the others. With Linux Mint, you've also got the Debian-based version as well, haven't you? Which is there a is. rolling release. Yeah. So um, that looks. The last time I looked at it, it was almost indistinguishable from the Ubuntu version. Yeah, it's practically indistinguishable. Yeah. I'll try and say that word. <laughs> uh, you That's can't easy. tell them apart. That's easy for you to say. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the Debian version, it's a rolling release, so you install it once and it just keeps updating itself as you update. It, yeah. You don't need to think, oh, well, you know, Linux Mint, uh, whatever the. The, uh, the hooker name they give it, Helena Ooh. or Christina or something. <laughs> They've always given it, as you said on Linux Outlaws, they've always given it a dodgy name. You can cut that bit out. <laughs> yes. The Debian edition is a rolling edition. So it's got uh, a timestamp from when it was yeah. um, created, that ISO was created. But the other ones, which are based on Ubuntu, all have code names. So a Linux Mint 11 will be some woman's name. Mm. And then again. Um, Mint, Mint 10 was Julia, which was one of the more sensible names that they've uh, they've used. Doesn't sound like a Russian streetwalker. <laughs> I'll cut that bit out as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch the stats for 11.04 and see what the uptake is like. Indeed. Any more news? I think we have covered all of them. We've covered what we were going to cover. Feedback. You can post comments and feedback on the podcast page at fullcirclemagazine.org forward slash podcast. Send us a comment to podcast at fullcirclemagazine.org. You can also send us a comment by recording an audio clip of no more than 30 seconds and sending it to the same address. Comments and audio may be edited for length. Please remember, this is a family-friendly show. Okay, shall we wrap up? I think we should, yes. Excellent. It's going dark here and I can't actually see my keyboard anymore. So we've probably been on for far too long. Well, it's been good to have you on. Uh, change of host. Uh, I can now use you as a, a, a stick to beat Wilkins and uh, Ed with and say, uh, if you don't behave yourselves, I've got a reserve a reserve host waiting, the waiting to get subbed subbed on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks um, very much for having me. That's all right. I'd love to have you back on another show. Keep us up to date with some of the other events that you've got lined up. We'll try and we'll try and promote a few few more of those as well. And get people out and about and get it, get involved. Communitize the community. Oh, sorry, that's copyright Dan Lynch, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll say good night. Thanks very much, Les. Uh, we'll see you thank on you. the next one. And thank you everybody for listening. This has been Full Circle. Thank you very much. I'm Robin Catling. Good night. for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.